Welcome to Health Club with Julia. I'm your host, health coach, and registered dietitian, Julia Campagna. I'm on a mission to bridge the gap between looking your best and living your life to the fullest. After years of over-dieting, struggling with disordered eating, and destroying my social life, I finally found how to reach my dream physique without sacrificing the things I love. Now I'm sharing all my strategies and education with you. We'll be talking all things health, including hormones, metabolism, and lifestyle to help you cut out the confusion and start living. So get cozy and join the club. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Health Club with Julia podcast. I am really excited about today's episode. Not only do we have our first guest on the podcast. Hello, Tam. Hello. um, Tamara is highly, highly educated on women's hormones, gut health, all the things like more functional approach. And so I know this is also a really, really hot topic in the space right now. I feel like over the last couple months last like year the focus on like women's hormone health gut health has like exploded and so I know that she's going to give you so many great nuggets in this episode and I'm really excited to dive in and like ask some questions kind of just pick her brain on a lot of hormonal topics that we'll go through and I feel like you guys are going to get a lot of golden nuggets that you can use like today to start improving your overall hormone health. And especially our main topic today is going to be estrogen dominance. So if you feel like that is something that you struggle with, this is definitely stuff that you'll be able to implement. Like starting today, obviously go and like get more tests done, see your doctor, everything else, but you're going to get a lot of great information from Tam today. So you better get ready. You can listen to this while you're doing your steps on the Stairmaster, get cozy with a coffee, whatever you need. It's going to be a really, really good one and a really great educational one. So Tam, if you want to go ahead and, and give yourself a little intro, just so people know who you are. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Hi, everyone. I am Tam or Tamara, um, and I'm so excited to be here for this episode. So a little bit about me is I have been a coach for almost four years. Um, I started with just like the old basic tracking your macros and strength training. And, you know, a little bit about my background is I, I became a coach because I struggled a lot with my own like disordered eating patterns and just, you know, like not knowing how to achieve my goals in a healthy way. And so once I discovered, you know, tracking macros and that you can eat like a cookie and not you know, gained 75 pounds. Like I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then, you know, took it a little too far, got a little, you know, too lean and then ended up with some hormonal issues that led me to what I do today, which is a lot of yeah, functional work. So we focus a lot on, you know, healing the hormones, whether it's adrenal dysfunction or uh, estrogen dominance, which is super common, um, testosterone, low testosterone, or even like gut health things, or just a regular lifestyle transformation. That's like what I do in on my team. So I'm excited to be here and talk more about estrogen dominance because it's definitely very, very common. Yes, super, super common. And Tim and I actually have been like gotten closer. We've actually become really friendly. And it's really interesting to see like we've kind of come from that same sort of background, which I think makes us even more special that we kind of have that in in common with each other. And 
she's even helped me with so many different things. Like I'll ask her questions all the time and be like, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? And so she's definitely helped me as well. And like I said, I'm just really excited for you guys to learn from her. She is amazing at what she does. So if you don't follow her, I highly recommend that you do. She is at fit.coach.tam on Instagram. And she does also have her own podcast. It's called New Bod Who Dis. Love yeah. that title, by the way. I love <laughs> that. It's so like, and fun. Um, so you should definitely check that out as well. She has a lot of great, again, more functional approaches to her topics on her podcast as well. So if again you're interested in more of the functional health approach, healing holistically, go check Tam out on Instagram and her podcast as well. So we we actually did do a live on Instagram yesterday. Mm -hmm. which we both shared to our feed. So if anybody wants to go and check that out, we just like touched the surface on what we're going to be talking about today. And on today's episode, we're really going to get more into the nitty gritty of it all. But, you know, we just kind of introed that on, on our live yesterday. So like I said, we are going to be diving into estrogen dominance in this episode. We'll go over, you know, how to know if you have it, symptoms to look out for, what to do, to help treat estrogen dominance if you know that you have it, um, you know, how to be proactive with it and make sure that you don't end up with it too. So there's a lot of great things that we are going to be discussing. So without further ado, let's, let's dive in. I'm, I'm really excited to just get this information out there to you guys. So Tam, let's just start off with the basics. So can you tell us a little bit about what estrogen dominance even means for those who have no idea what we're talking about, just like a little synopsis of what this is. Yes, absolutely. So estrogen is like one of the main female sex hormones. Men have it too, but it is most predominant in women. Um, and progesterone is another main female sex hormone. And so estrogen and progesterone work really closely together. Um, estrogen kind of helps with like energy levels and it is pre predominantly the star of the show before ovulation. So after you start your period, that's day one, um, leading up to around ovulation, which is day 14 estrogen rises as long as well as testosterone. And that's what give us, gives us that feelings of like high energy strength, like right before you ovulate. And then after ovulation, progesterone is supposed to be the star of the show. Progesterone is the rest and relax hormone, um, the hormone that allows you to sleep at night and helps you uh, carry healthy pregnancies. So progesterone and estrogen are both super important and we don't want to be deficient in either, um, but we also don't want to be estrogen dominant. What that means is that estrogen, uh, you can have enough estrogen in the body, like it could be perfectly normal in your lab ranges and you could still be estrogen dominant if you don't have enough progesterone. If your progesterone is really low, then you will have symptoms of estrogen dominance because there's more estrogen circulating in your body than progesterone. You can also have, and that's called relative estrogen dominance. Then there's also frank estrogen dominance, which is just like, you just have a lot of estrogen and it's like your progesterone could be normal, but your estrogen is just like way high. So it's a ratio between the two. Uh, you want to like observe both values in blood work. And there's even like a conversion that we use to, you know, when you're reading your progesterone levels, cause they are in different measures of units of measure. So, so yeah, in short, that's what estrogen dominance is. 
Yeah. So basically simplifying that it's more estrogen than needed in the body and it's not getting excreted the way that it should. And I love how you kind of describe that there's a ratio and it's not only that this estrogen is like so high in the body that you are like just seeing these high levels of estrogen that it can also be that progesterone is too low as well. So it's not only like, you're not just looking at estrogen. I like that you describe this ratio and it's kind of a balance between the two. And that's something to, to be aware of when looking at labs and things like that as well, that it's not just like, oh, let's just look at estrogen and see where it's at. So I think that's really important to note as well. So basic terms, love how you describe that fully. And then, you know, just an too much estrogen in the body compared to progesterone and other things. So love that. And how can estrogen dominance affect us, right? So let's say you have it, you went and got lobs done, you got all the things. And so you, you know that you, you have this, how does that affect our body? Um, or how does that impact other things? Yeah. So it impacts it in a lot of ways and you can actually tell or suspect that you have estrogen dominance from your symptoms before you even get labs done. And primarily it's like your PMS symptoms. So a little bit like what we talked about in our live yesterday is that people kind of normalize their PMS symptoms and just say like, oh, you know, this is normal. Uh, It's normal for me to have cramps and super heavy bleeding and like be completely out, like have to skip school or like not be able to work out because my period is so bad. And it's like, "Mm, that might be common, but no, it's not normal. Um, And you can absolutely do things to fix it. So there are many, many different ways that estrogen can impact us on or estrogen dominance can impact us on a day-to-day basis specifically from the two weeks leading up to your period. That's when it's most prevalent, which is literally like half the month. So, um, (laughs) with, so other symptoms that can kind of come up are, um, well, we talked about heavy, heavy periods, cramping, um, fatigue is another one that's really common, um, uh, either constipation or diarrhea surrounding your period, um, uh, irritability, moodiness, uh, and, like depression or even anxiety. Like when I had estrogen dominance, my anxiety was like, I would wake up in the morning and just like have anxiety for no reason, like zero reason. There was nothing going on in my life that would need me to be anxious about, but I would just be anxious. And I would literally sit on the couch and stare at the ceiling and just like be anxious for the entire day, do the bare minimum. And it was awful. So it can really impact those things. And And I feel like a lot of times people are very quick to just go and be put on medication. And I'm not saying medication is bad by any means. Like definitely some people need to be on anti-anxiety medications, but like, I feel like there's so much we can do before you, you get to that point. Um, but, but yeah, so estrogen dominance can impact us in, in all of those ways. And also, um, in weight loss resistance. So I, I found out that I had estrogen dominance because I had weight loss resistance. And so, and I was experiencing all these symptoms with PMS, but at the time I was like, this is normal. Like, I don't, you know, whatever, it'll go away. Like I didn't think anything of the PMS symptoms. Um, but then when I went through, like I went through a fat loss phase and this was like two years into me being a coach. So like, I knew what I was doing. Like I knew I was tracking my macros. Well, I knew I was, you know, I was working out a lot. I was doing like literally like an hour of cardio, like four times a week, in addition to my strength training workouts. And I was not losing weight. So I was like, something is going on here. Like, this is not normal. 
And then that's when I got my labs done to confirm the estrogen dominance. And I was like, okay, now, now what do we do? (laughs) Right. Yeah. So you kind of felt these effects and would you say that, you know, these symptoms that you can have with estrogen dominance, would you say that that could overlap with something else? Like what was, I guess, kind of speaking more to your personal experience with it. You said the weight loss resistance was your turning Mm -hmm. point. Was there anything else that you were like, this is estrogen dominance, or did you have to like, then go get the test to, to solidify that? I, well, I also had like really, really sore breasts, like really sore. And I, and that like, it's not clearly like in research, it hasn't been shown to be an estrogen dominance thing, but it like some research shows that it is. And I, I think it is because like, it was very bad. Like I would, I don't have, I have a cups, like they are small. (laughs) Um, and so like I was walking down the stairs and my boobs hurt as like each step that I took. So I was like, what the fuck, bro? Like, sorry, can I curse on your podcast? Yeah, Is it? Absolutely. Okay, cool. What the fuck, bro? <laughs> like, I did not know. I was like, this is weird. This is not normal. So that was like the only other thing that I haven't already mentioned that I was like, okay, this is a sign. But um, at that time, I was like, you know, I need to learn more about this. So I started taking a cyclical nutrition course and learning more about estrogen dominance. And I had like every single symptom. I was like, okay, yeah, this is me. I have this. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I think when you lay out the symptoms and you can check off pretty much every single box, it's like, okay, that's a big red flag that I need to do something about this. I need to go see a doctor and like really start to dig into what's happening. For sure. And I don't think that it's like, if you have these symptoms like one time and then you're fine, like a majority of the time, like I don't think necessarily you have estrogen dominance. I think maybe you might have been a little bit estrogen dominant in that one specific cycle. And that happens every once in a while. Like, let's say you, you know, went on a vacation and you drank a lot of alcohol because alcohol does increase your estrogen levels. Um, Or, you know, maybe you had a really stressful month and stress actually decreases your progesterone levels. So both of those things can make you estrogen dominant. So if you have a month like that, and then you have these symptoms, but maybe the next month you're back to normal, like then I'd say you're good. But you know, if you recurring, like this is a recurring problem that you have every month or most months, then, you know, definitely look into it. Yeah. How many months would you say that this would be recurring until like, when would that be a problem so obviously if it's one month and then you go back and you're like fine it it definitely could be something else but what do you feel is that balance where like okay it's been x amount of months that this is happening i need to do something about it i would probably suggest doing something about it if you have these symptoms like three months in a row or honestly before like if you ca- i feel like a lot of people who already know about estrogen dominance would catch it early and be able to address it early and like not have to do so much to fix it. Because um, like if you if you're hearing this, like you'll be able to see the signs and do some of the things that we'll talk about on this episode to prevent it from getting worse. Um, Because like estrogen dominance. Oh, another thing that I didn't mention that can be a sign of estrogen dominance is actually where you hold your body fat. So holding your body fat in like your lower belly and your hips, like your glutes, your thighs, that is a big sign of estrogen dominance too. So, I mean, genetically, some people do hold their body fat there, but 
if you normally don't and you see that accumulating there, that that can be a sign too. Um, but yeah, like if you if you're seeing this, if you see it one month, like already start doing the estrogen balancing basics that we'll talk about. But you know, if you're if it's like three months in and this is happening, like I definitely at that point I'd be like, okay, girlfriend, let's let's get down to the nitty gritty. <laughs> Yeah. And I feel like it's really important to note too, like kind of what you were talking about, how we kind of normalize our PMS symptoms. And I feel like for people who are more in tune with their body, this might be easier to pick up on because they know what feels right and what doesn't feel right. So I think it's also important for people to kind of start really getting in tune with their body and figuring out what's normal and what's not normal for them. Mm -hmm. And if you are having PMS symptoms, like you touched on, it's common, but it doesn't mean that it's normal. If you have debilitating cramps that you have to lay in bed and you can't get to the gym or you can't even get up for everyday movements and you have to take an Advil or two Advil three, four times a day, you know, yeah. that's not necessarily normal, even though we tend to normalize it. And I think that's also a lack of education and, and knowledge around the subject that a lot of people mm-hmm. don't have, unfortunately, because we're not really taught these things. So it's important to listen to things like this or your podcast or look at your Instagram or mine and really try to get educated so you can be more in tune with your body and say like, okay, I'm having these symptoms. I've had them now for a couple of months. I've normalized them, but are they actually normal or should I actually do something about it? So I love that you kind of touched on trying not to normalize your PMS symptoms and really starting to say like, okay, is something bigger going on so I can catch that earlier so I can actually make changes to or do something to to make changes happen for myself. Absolutely. And I do think that there's certain women that are more prone to these, to these things. Like I think that um, women who get stressed very easily Um, or like high achieving women, like type A women who are, you know, very on top of everything, like high achievers, because they are more stressed. And like I said, stress drives progesterone down, which can then lead to these issues. So um, like, I am one of those women. So I'm like, not. Yeah. So I'm like, it's like, I can, like, for example, how I said, like, if you just have one off month, like this month, I had one off month where like, I had a lot more estrogen dominant symptoms, but I don't necessarily think I'm like, okay, I'm estrogen dominant again. I just think, okay, I need to get back on my shit, you know? Cause like I did go on my honeymoon, you know, last month. Yeah, it was last month. So, you know, that I drank a lot more. I had a lot more pasta. I definitely didn't eat as much protein. So there that has impact that impacts your cycle and it can cause some symptoms. So um, that's why, you know, we educate ourselves and we get in tune with our body so we can do all the things that we need to do to prevent it from becoming a long term issue because that's when it becomes annoying to fix. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It can become a lot more tedious than needs to be. And we'll talk about like ways to prevent it and mm-hmm. what to look out for in your own like life. But yeah, I feel like it's more so common now. And again, I, I kind of mentioned that I feel like it's like bloomed out of nowhere over the last like year that we're seeing a lot more of this. But if you also look at society today, like you said, like people are perfectionists, people are type A, people who have a lot of stress and they're just like always on the go. That is our society. So it's not shocking to me that it's coming out more because just by looking at society in general, like we are always on the go. We're always have something to do. We're always like busy with work or there's always some stress. And of course, some people are more stressed than others, but 
it's not surprising or shocking to mm-hmm. me that this is coming out so much now. Right. And so many people are not good at managing their stress. Like I only just learned this year how to manage my stress. And I think one of the biggest game changers for managing my stress was how I perceived my stress. Like mm-hmm. I was, I was thinking about things in a ways that like, I was just extrapolating like the worst case scenarios of like everything and I'm like I just need to like chill like it's not that deep bro like relax (laughs) so like I would just start thinking about my problems in like ways that I'm like okay this isn't actually going to happen in the worst possible way like what if it didn't and like started working on my mindset and focusing more on like what if it was the best way that it could happen you know like so focusing on that really helped my estrogen dominance, but I thought, or sorry, my stress management, which then helps estrogen dominance. But, um, I thought of something else that also, um, how estrogen dominance can impact other things is, is with our gut health, or maybe it's vice versa. There's actually, it's unclear, um, based on like research, whether it's the gut health that makes you estrogen dominant or estrogen dominance that makes your gut health poor, but they are both very connected. There's a thing called the estrobolome, which is like in your gut health. Like we know the microbiome, right? There's like, there's estrogen that lives in your gut. So if you have like poor liver detoxification, or you have a lot of like bacterial dysbiosis, or if you're, there's a thing called beta glucuronidase that's in your like it's a intestinal health marker. Um, and if that is too high, that means that your body recirculates estrogen. So it's like you, you really want to, you know, get proper testing done so that you can figure out if you do have that and like know how to address those things. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that actually ties into my next question pretty well is figuring out what actually is going on. So what is, would you say the best way to decide if you have it or not? So you're seeing all these symptoms, you're feeling this way and you're like, okay, you're starting to say something isn't right here. What do you feel like is the best way to know that you have it? Obviously we talked about hormone testing. So what are we looking out for in labs? Um, Is there anything other than hormone labs specifically? Yeah. So I would definitely suggest getting like a full female sex hormone panel a lot of times you get pushback from like gynecologists or primary care doctors because they they're like oh well your hormones fluctuate all the time and you're like no shit like obviously but I still want to know like so you want to get your hormones tested between day between days 17 to 22 of your cycle so if you don't already track your cycle that's step one um day one is the first day that you bleed so once you're around like day 17 to 22 that's when you want to test your cycle um, or test your, get your blood test done. You want to do it in the morning, fasted before 9am. And you uh, definitely want to make sure if you're looking specifically only for estrogen dominance, you obviously want to make sure that they're testing estrogen, which is on a blood test, it'll come out as estradiol or progesterone on a blood test. It's progesterone. So those are the two like bare minimum things for, if you're getting a blood test done though, I would just recommend getting like a full lab panel. Like you would want to get like your CBC, which is just like your regular blood test. Then you want to do a lipid panel. So that's like cholesterol. Um, you know, uh, what else is in a lipid panel here? Let me pull up my little thing. Uh, cholesterol, like triglycerides, um, insulin. You want to do a thyroid panel, not just TSH, 
free T3, free T4, total T4. Well, actually you don't really need the totals, honestly. Um, but you do want like TPO, which is, you know, can signal if you have Hashimoto's, um, and then for the female sex hormone panel, um, so this is like what I would definitely recommend if you're concerned about your sex hormones, it's progesterone, estradiol, cortisol, that's the stress hormone, testosterone, free testosterone, and DHEA and sex hormone binding globulin. There's a few other things that, you know, if you want the full list, you can DM me on Instagram. I'm more than happy to send that to you. But um, that is what I would recommend testing. But if, if you're just going to test two things, progesterone and estradiol are what you need for um, for estrogen dominance to figure out if you have it or not. You can also do like a Dutch test. Um, a Dutch test typically is not covered by insurance, but it's a more functional um, test because it shows you like the downstream effect of your hormone levels. So it's not just like because blood test is just one snapshot at one point in time. Um, so, and I guess, well, Dutch test is for throughout an entire day. So you do like the urine testing for an, a day at like different points in time. Um, and you, it, it'll tell you the like three different types of estrogen and it tells you how your body metabolizes it. So if you're clearing it well or not, if you have like poor methylation, that means you're not clearing estrogen appropriately and you probably need to work on your liver health a little bit more. If you have PCOS, I would definitely would recommend a Dutch test because it'll tell you about your androgens. So not just testosterone, it'll also talk about like androstenedione Dion and, um, I forgot the other one, but there's another one. And then you, it'll also tell you, yeah, like the, oh, one of the most important things, if you have, um, family that has estrogenic cancers like breast cancer or any other type of estrogenic cancer, definitely get a Dutch test because there's a, a part in the Dutch test that will tell you if your body detoxifies estrogen through the inflammatory cancerous pathway or the and like the healthy pathway. So if you are like in the red for the inflammatory pathway, then you need to be taking a supplement called DIM and that will help you move it over to the right pathway so that you aren't as much of a risk. I don't know if it'll completely eliminate your risk, but it'll definitely help. So yeah. So those are the tests that I would suggest. Um, the best one I would probably say depends like on each person. Like I said, if you have PCOS or if you have more complicated like hormonal things going on, like if your periods are really, really bad and you have a lot of symptoms or if your periods are really irregular, that's another thing to touch on. Because if you have like, let's say you have cycles that are like 45 days long or even like 60 days long or 14 days long, you know, like they're either too short or too long. Um, if they're too short, honestly, just get your hormones tested at any point in time because it's it will just figure it out at that point, you know. But if it's if it's too long, you want to get it tested uh, eight days before your next cycle, which I know can be a little bit hard to predict. Or you can try doing it like after you ovulated, like maybe like five days after you've ovulated, because sometimes ovulation can be late in the cycle. Um, and so then that, that way you can like make sure you're in, cause you want to be in the luteal phase. Cause otherwise, if you get your hormones tested in, in your follicular phase, you're 
um, progesterone is not going to be high. So it's going to look like you have estrogen dominance, but in the luteal phase is when your progesterone is supposed to be high. So if it is actually low, then that's when you can confirm that you do have estrogen dominance. Yeah. I think that was explained so well. I think there's so many good things that people can take from this. A question I get often when doing labs with clients is when should I be testing my hormones? And so I think you explained that perfectly because there is a difference on when you get them tested and what it would actually show in your labs. And I love how you touched on different kinds of labs, like the Dutch test or just getting simple, you know, estrogen or estradiol progesterone tests done depending on what's going on with you. So you know better how to judge which test you need. So that was great. I think that there's a lot of great information people can get from that if they're experiencing this and say, okay, I need this. And I also want to say too, you touched on this at the beginning of this question, but be an advocate for yourself because a lot of doctors will give pushback on that. And I see it so often where they're like, oh, you don't need that. Well, what's the harm in getting testing done? If everything's great, then that's great. But what if something is off? And you should be getting labs done at least yearly anyway, Mm -hmm. if not a little bit more than that. And so I always kind of question why people give pushback on that. Mm-hmm. especially if like you or I as a coach are like, okay, I'm seeing all these things happening. Let's get labs done. And then the doctor's like, no. And then, you know, they come to us and they're like, okay, well, I can't get labs done. And it's like, all right, well, I know that something's going on with you. And so just be an advocate for yourself as well. And if you do get pushback, so like, let's say you're working with Tamarai, we can, like, you can order labs too, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we can both order labs. And I've definitely done that with tons of clients that do get pushback. I'm just like, all right, let's do it through me because that you need something tested. Mm-hmm. So just side note to that question, be an yeah. advocate for yourself. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. It's, and then also know that there's other options to fix it besides just going on birth control. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We touched on this in the, in the live yesterday as well, but that's going to be the first like line of defense. I feel like for Mm -hmm. doctors is okay. You have any sort of abnormality with your cycle birth control. And kind of what we touched on yesterday was that's great and all, but you're not actually getting to the root cause. It's just kind of stopping a hormone production and shutting things down rather than saying, okay, this is the problem. Let's address it and fix that. So Mm -hmm. whenever you do get off birth control again, if like, you know, they prescribe to you, get on it and then you get off of it later on, you might still have those same issues because you're not addressing that. And so- And they'll probably be worse. (laughs) Yes. And probably worse. Like, so I just, yeah, it makes sure that you are educating yourself to have more information so you can make the best decision for yourself Mm -hmm. because a lot of the times if you and I mean some people might need to go on it or want to go on it and that's also fine if you do but just know that there's other options for you and what your doctor is prescribing because nine out of ten times probably 9.5 or 10 out of 10 times it's going to be like put you on this pill but it doesn't have to be so just research, educate yourself, just know that there's other options than that. Because like Tam said, it could make it worse if you just get prescribed that and then try to come off of it again later. So yeah. Absolutely. I track my, I, I practice the, um, what's it called? 
the natural method of birth control. Yeah. There's like a name for it, isn't there? Now I use an app called natural cycles. Um, yeah, same. they have like the BBT, they have the LH strips, yes. they have the cervical mucus. So like, yeah, I use all those things too, to track mine. Perfect. Yeah. I think there's a name for that method though. I just can't remember the name, but whatever. Yeah, there's I, a I think it's like names. Fertility there's... awareness method. Fertility awareness. Yes. Yes. Fertility, fertility awareness method. Yes. And then, you know, I'm still not pregnant. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> so there yeah. we go. same it's uh, I've been off of it for over a year now and like I love the way I feel I it's so easy to use these methods like yeah I take my temperature every day but it takes four seconds to do so it's not like time consuming I don't have to worry about taking a pill and I just feel better yeah and if you're like me and you never remembered to take your temperature in the morning I just got an aura ring and it it takes my temperature so I'm like all right cool because I I did not I did it like twice and and I kept trying and I was like I just never remember to do it so uh the ordering is was my solution (laughs) yeah honestly I need to invest in that I'm usually good with it like Mm -hmm. I do it most times but there's definitely sometimes that I forget and or I'll like get up to go to the bathroom in the morning and you're supposed to do it like first thing and like not move around so your body temperature Mm -hmm. doesn't change and I'm like oh crap all right I'm used today so yeah um yeah for those they they also do have like a thing called a temp drop I've heard of it's like a thing that you wear around your arm yeah, yeah. so it's like a wearable thermometer so there's other options too but there's, um, there's plenty of options and I feel yeah. like, like what do I do if I don't want to get pregnant and I don't want birth control we just listed like so many there's so many yes. different things that you can do so again 100%. it goes back to educating yourself and knowing what other options are for you and making your decision based on that so death yeah so Now that we know what's going on, we've gotten labs done, we have all these symptoms, what can we actually do to help treat this estrogen dominance to get it back to normal levels? Yes. So strap on in, take notes, grab your pen, like whatever you need. Um, So, because I'm going to list it all. So the first thing you're going to want to do is make sure that you are eating balanced meals, like at the very bare minimum. And because this is important for making sure your blood sugar is balanced. If you have imbalanced blood sugar, it can be really hard to correct your hormonal imbalances. So balanced meals, proteins, carbs, fats, um, and veggies, I would say cruciferous vegetables are going to be your new best friend, like have them at least once a day, twice a day, if you can three times, even better, Um, like literally eat all of the cruciferous vegetables because they have specific compounds. Um, They have like, there's uh, like sulfur. I don't, there's like a longer name for sulfur, but there's like a specific compound that helps your body detoxify from estrogen. Um, Cruciferous vegetables also have dim in them, which helps your body detoxify from the healthy pathway, not the inflammatory pathway. Um, so cruciferous vegetables are really, really key to detoxing, um, estrogen appropriately. So, uh, what are cruciferous vegetables like broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, bok choy, that kind of, those kind of things. I'm sure there's more, if you Google it, whole list will come up. Um, and so fiber is also huge. Um, you really, really want to make sure you're eating enough fiber. It helps the clearance of estrogen as well, because it like estrogen needs to move through the liver and it's detoxed through there through phase one and phase two and phase three detoxification, detoxification. And then it goes through 
your bowels, right. To be excreted. And so if you have, like we talked about poor gut health, um, that can make it really hard to completely get rid of estrogen dominance. Um, and so you really want to make sure you're at least eating enough fiber, um, to make sure your bowel movements are good. And that can a lot of times fix some gut issues a lot, sometimes not, but, um, but that's like the bare minimum there. Um, you also want to make sure that you are, I personally completely eliminated alcohol and caffeine because it wasn't alcohol. Wasn't hard for me to eliminate. I had already been, you know, pretty distant from that type of lifestyle. You know, I don't, I don't really miss it. I only drink it. Like if I go out to Italy for my honeymoon <laughs> or like have like a special occasion, something like that. Um, but alcohol, it does increase your estrogen levels. So you're going to want to, you know, minimize that as much as possible. Um, it is also a toxin. So it is difficult. Like if you're already drinking alcohol and giving your body, your liver more things to detox, it's going to be harder to detox from estrogen. So, uh, the same goes for caffeine. Caffeine also is processed in the liver. So if you are, you know, drinking a lot of coffee, um, that can impact that as well. Liver or estrogen detox through the liver. And also it impacts our stress levels. Um, it can cause like, if, especially if you have caffeine on an empty stomach, which I hope if you're listening to this, you know, by now that you should not be drinking caffeine on an empty stomach. (laughs) If you follow Julia and I, like you definitely should know that. Um, but if not now, you know, so, um, don't drink caffeine on empty stomach, always eat a balanced breakfast before drinking caffeine. If you drink caffeine on an empty stomach, it can like increase your adrenaline levels, your cortisol levels, which as we've already talked about, cortisol goes up, progesterone goes down, estrogen dominance occurs. So, um, so you really want to minimize those things. And you also just want to make sure that you are eating enough, like B vitamin rich foods. Um, I won't list them, just Google foods high in B vitamins. Um, they're really important for for these things. Um, and so I think that covers most of it as just like a basic thing. There are supplements that you can also take too. It just kind of will also depend on like what else comes back on your blood work. Like if you are struggling with high cortisol, there are supplements that can kind of help with that. Um, magnesium, I think is something that's like a very like bare minimum supplement that everyone should take. It's not, wouldn't harm anyone. Um, magnesium glycinate is like my favorite. Um, I actually take a like Amazon supplement, magnesium glycinate and ashwagandha. Ashwagandha is an adaptogenic herb that helps your body adapt to stress. Well, um, I will say like whatever supplements are recommended, like always do your own research because for example, ashwagandha, it's not the best for people who have Hashimoto's. So it's like, you know, and I don't know what conditions you have listening to this. So like always do your own research to see if any supplements would interact with things that you struggle with or have, you know? So, um, also like if you have, if you struggle with blood sugar, you would want to incorporate like berberine maybe, um, because that'll help you with blood sugar management. Um, if you have also a lot of other digestive system issues like bloating or constipation or diarrhea or excessive gas, or you're burping all the time, even from drinking water, like those are signs that like you probably should do a little bit more gut health stuff too. So at the very bare minimum, that's like what you can do to help treat estrogen dominance. Um, there's also like specific situations too. Like there are estrogen dominance supplements specifically to help you clear estrogen better. Um, but 
I don't recommend that to everyone all the time because if you have, you could have estrogen dominance and still have low estrogen. So I wouldn't suggest to take a supplement that will help you get rid of your estrogen if you have low estrogen, because that could cause more problems. So like I said, always do your own research test before you start supplementing with things. Um, so you can know for a fact, like what you're doing is going to actually help you. Um, and so, yeah, I think that kind of covers most of it. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. And would you say that there's anything else? I mean, obviously some of those things that you would want to treat it, you can also use as preventative approaches too, like the fruits, vegetable, more nutrient dense foods, obviously that's going to help prevent it. But is there anything else that you would say to start doing now? So you don't have to worry about that. Like any other things that you didn't mention? Yes, absolutely. So we'll definitely like the balanced meals thing is very good for preventative. Pretty much like everything that I mentioned minus supplements is good to do as like a preventative thing. Uh, oh, other things we didn't talk about is like your training intensity. So if you do have estrogen dominance, you need to pull back on your training intensity. You're not, you can't be, you know, lifting to failure every single session. Um, you can't be going like till max RPE, like every session that's going to drive your stress up and your progesterone down. So you need to pull back a little bit. Maybe if you train five days a week, train four, um, I've literally <laughs> dropped down to two days per week of like gym sessions and not everyone might have to do that, but I did for whatever was going on with me. Um, and so, but I do like Pilates other days of the week. So like more low intensity exercises, um, and it doesn't have to be a permanent thing, just a temporary thing. So that's one thing too. Also, another thing is making sure that you're not eating naked carbs. And again, for blood sugar balance, like if you're just eating carbs by themselves, it can cause your blood sugar to spike. And again, that impacts like your, your hormone levels. So, so yeah. 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 I think that helps. helps. Yeah. And just curious, what are your thoughts on like the toxins in everything? Cause obviously that's, you know, been said to harm hormones. So like toxins in food, skincare products, cleaning products, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that? And should people be aware of that? Yes, that is another thing that for sure. Um, I think that's more of like a thing that after you're doing all of the things, then focus on that because all the other things will make more of an impact on if you have estrogen dominance, but absolutely like you, like I definitely, I cook with like, um, non-toxic cookware and I use glass Tupperware and, um, you know, like you want to make sure that you're not, you're like the beauty products don't have endocrine disruptors. There's a website called ewg.org, which is great. So you can just like type in whatever beauty products you use, or there's even an app called Yuka, but it's a little bit less in depth as that website. Um, I, I've been using the app just cause you can scan things. Um, so I feel like that's easy. I don't know if EWG has an app. Do you, do you know if they do? I've only used it online. I've never okay. tried to use it on maps, so I have no idea. Okay. But you can like search whatever you have. So like you can, yeah. So that's pretty helpful because then it tells you if it has endocrine disruptors and all of that. And then processed foods for sure. Like you want to minimize, like, you know, I've struggled in the past with like, okay, well, I'm only going to eat whole foods and like 100% yeah. whole foods. And then you get like neurotic and like crazy about like what you're eating and that is not fun. So everything in moderation, um, but definitely as much as you can reduce processed foods, the better. Um, and then also focusing on like 
your liver detoxification. So liver loving herbs, dandelion root tea or milk thistle tea, um, beets, um, like, you know, carrots are great as well. Uh, so like things like that will also be helpful, but yeah, for the specific, like endocrine disruptors are definitely a big thing that you do want to try to avoid. Yeah. And fortunately, I feel like now there's so many options that are like mm-hmm. clean skincare products, cleaner mm-hmm. cleaning products. And so it's mm-hmm. pretty easy to make those swaps. You just have to go out and do it. But there's the some research. Yeah. Yeah. There's it's just the that- initial research that like you you got to do. I love the I'm not sponsored or anything, but I love good molecules is my like one of my favorite like skincare because they it's like super good. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like just getting into skincare. So I don't know too much about it yet. I'm doing research, but like, I know even they have brands in Target that like Honest is one. Um, I'm pretty, I think like Coco Kind is, I know that they're like cruelty free. I'm not entirely sure how like their endocrine disruptors are, but they like label themselves as being like clean ingredients and stuff. So there's like easily accessible skincare yeah. products too. Yeah. But for sure. Yeah. There's so many different options, but yeah, I think, I think we touched on a lot of great things. Is there anything else that you want to discuss or talk about that we missed? Mm, I don't think so. I think we covered everything. Oh, wait, we do have a question from my, um, I put a question box to see if any of you guys wanted to ask specific questions about estrogen dominance. So the question was where to start to know if your hormones are out of balance, specific tests and who does testing. So we did cover like the specific tests and like where to start. So who does testing? So you can, you can try to ask for it through your primary doctor. Um, but if they don't want to, or they give you pushback, whatever, um, you can order it there's even a website online life extension that has like some labs that you can get. Um, feel free to like DM me or Julia and we can point you in the right direction, um, on like where to go and who does testing. Um, I, with my clients, I actually go through like a hormone replacement therapy clinic that I don't, I'm not affiliated with them in any way, but I just send my clients to them because they will just set you up with the labs that you need. They test everything we need. You just pay them. Like, I think it's like around 200 bucks and then they get you what you need. And then I get the results and I interpret them for my clients. Yeah. Yeah. Similar to me. I just use, um, a company that I send my clients to, we get labs it's usually, yeah, like you said, roughly 200. It depends on if they mm-hmm. need more intensive lab work done, right. but roughly as an average, yeah, that I interpret it, interpret them. So yeah. And sometimes too, you can ask like your gyno instead of your primary care. Sometimes they will do like uh hormone specific. They can order some labs sometimes as well. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a, there's a couple different options for that too. But like you said, just DM you or I, and we can help point you in the right direction on that. But Yeah. I think we covered a lot. We covered so many great things in this episode. And like I said at the beginning, I feel like there's so many golden nuggets that people can use, like starting today. Like this is things that they can start implementing today, especially the like preventative stuff, or even like if you're feeling some of those symptoms, like the treatment stuff that we talked about, minus the supplements, don't just go and buy a ton of different supplements. But um, a lot of stuff can be used like right now. And it's super, super helpful for people who might be struggling with that. So that kind of wraps up 
our podcast episode. I want to say thank you so much, Tam, for coming on and giving us all of your knowledge. You're amazing. And remember, guys, you can go give her a follow on Instagram, tune into her podcast. As you can tell from this episode, she is very, very informative. She will guide you and help you in any way, shape, or form that you need. So lots of great bits of knowledge from her as well. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. And I'm so excited to hear the episode when it comes out. I know. So, so excited for this to air and for you guys to just dive into all this juicy information. So that is it for this episode. Thank you again, Tam, for joining and I will see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Health Club with Julia podcast. If you love the episode, share the podcast and tag me and subscribe so you don't miss any further episodes. If you have any questions, feel free to send me a DM. Thanks for being a part of the club. See you next time.